Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Craig Andrews. Craig is the principal ally and founder of marketing agency Allies for Me. Using a proven method that mimics the stages of courtship, Allies for Me helps companies find strangers and convert them into high-paying customers. A first-time offer is like a coffee date that accelerates high-ticket sales. Thanks so much for being here today, Craig. Oh, thank you, Diane. I've been looking forward to it. Me too. So let's talk about this high ticket, high trust sales thing. Um, what do you believe is broken in this system, this process? You know, I, I use a courtship analogy a lot that, um, you know, and, and we look at sales as sort of a, a process of courtship. And with with high ticket, usually what that courtship looks like is almost equivalent to walking in a, into a bar, seeing a stranger, and going up to the stranger and saying, hey, you're kind of cute, can I have your phone number? Let's just get married. <laughs> and I just feel like we skip a whole bunch of steps. We don't do that in real life. Yeah, we know Thank that's God. inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I often say that when, when I'm doing like a sales training, I will say by a show of hands who got married on their first date. And thank God, no one raises their hand. Uh, but it, it it's a good point. So so we're sort of going from zero to 60, right? And, and, and you know, and there's going to be somebody out there listening that says, you know what? I know somebody who met on their first date, got married, and it worked out. And those stories do exist. I just don't recommend building your business off that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what do we do? Or what sh I shouldn't have asked it that way. What should we be doing? What extra steps should we be adding in there to build those relationships? Yeah. And there's, you know, there's one qualifier. It really depends. You know, a lot depends upon the price point of what you're selling. Uh, if you're selling something for 20 or $30, you, you, you probably don't need a lot of steps. You know, we work exclusively with people that have high ticket services, uh, high ticket offers. And so if you think about the stages of courtship, let me break it down to like five general categories. You have an introduction, uh, you have a conversation. If the conversation goes well, then you do coffee. And that's where I want to focus a lot of the discussions on this coffee date and what that looks like. Okay. And if coffee goes well, then you go for dinner. And if dinner goes well, then you then you move to commitment. And if you think about the coffee date, when people go out on a coffee date, they don't go out expecting failure. You know, un unless they just like 
you know, abusing their, themselves and abusing their time to go out with people that they know are a bad fit. But they go on a coffee date because they think, you know what, I think there's something here that could lead to something bigger. And both parties go, but they have a lot of uh, risk taken out. You know, often they drive separately to the coffee date. Uh, the, you know, usually it's in the middle of the day. And so that's a little less risky than at, at night. Uh, there's less financial risk. And, you know, I've had women tell me that, you know, they'll have a girlfriend call them like, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes into the coffee date <laughs> to see if they need a rescue. You know, and so there's all these safeguards that are built in when we're using that as a model. And I think when you're moving towards a high ticket sale, a a type of coffee date is appropriate. Now, I don't mean a literal coffee date. Sure, you may go out for coffee, but I'm talking about actually a it's a low ticket offer where you go in and you actually solve problems for people. And, and in the process of doing that, when you structure it properly, what happens is you build rapid levels of trust, you know, and think back to, you know, the, the real coffee date, you go out on a coffee date. Uh, I remember, you know, years ago, I went on a coffee date with a, a wonderful lady and, you know, we were sitting there, um, it was at like a, you know, an Indian tea house or something like that. And I remember driving home and I, you know, played, um, you know, this libretto from a famous opera because it just expressed everything I felt. I was excited. I wanted to go back. I wanted to do that again. And when we can engineer that experience in business, that's what we do for our customers. And it ends up being a better experience for us, but also a better experience for them. Okay. So um, can you give us an example of what that would look like? So, so it sounds to me like what we're saying is there's the introduction that there's a, you know, a follow-up. If it feels like there's interest, then there's a low ticket item that, that works well. Right. So they feel like, Oh yeah, this is great. I want more of this. Is that what we're talking about? Sort of. And I'm going to give a couple examples right. of offers that other people may have seen. These are real offers that have been out in the world. I didn't design them, but they make the point because there's another element. There has to be an irresistible nature to the offer. And so there was a company called Columbia House Records that back when albums were popular the first time, they would, uh, for one penny, they would ship you 13 albums if you joined <laughs> their record club. I remember. Yeah, yeah. And it's great because if you're the type of person that's trying to build a record collection, for one penny, they get you 13 steps closer to where you want to go. Well, we would call that a simple offer. And when you're doing high ticket sales, simple offers don't work. I've tried and they don't work. <laughs> so let me give an example of what I would call a complex offer. Again, this is not one I designed, but I, I like this as an example 
because everybody will get it immediately, whether they would buy the offer or not. Okay. There was a guy named Bob Stupak who bought a dumpy old hotel in Vegas. And he decided he was going to turn it into a major player on the strip. But it was a dumpy old place. Uh, today, you would know it as the Strat or the Stratosphere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, when he bought it, it was something much less. And he renamed it Bob Stupak's Vegas World. And he ran a special. And his special said, give me $396 and I will give you three days and two nights in one of my deluxe suites. When you arrive, there will be a bottle of champagne waiting for you in your room. All of your drinks on property are free, whether you're gambling or not. Wow. Even if you're sitting in one of my entertainment lounges, you pay nothing more for your drinks. Not only that, but for your $396, I will give you $600 of chips to use in my casino. So, wow. yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what a, a good first time offer does. It makes you say, wow. Now, in the case of Bob Stupak, if you don't like drinking and gambling, you're probably not going to say, wow. Sure. But that's good because one of the things that Bob Stupak understood was he understood the lifetime value of a guest in his hotel. And he, he knew if he could get that guest in the casino, the lifetime value went up. If he could get that guest in the casino and drinking, the lifetime value went up even higher. So his offer is designed to attract people that like to drink and gamble. I drink wine, but I don't think he was offering any of the wine that would excite me. Yeah. And I don't gamble. Um, just not my thing. And so I look at that offer and Vegas has 150,000 hotel rooms. And so I'm probably going to choose a different hotel room because eh, that, that offer doesn't really appeal to me. Right. And so that's good because I'm not his most profitable customer. Isn't that genius how that works? Yeah, boy. Uh, uh, totally. Totally. So, so that's what I would call a complex offer. That has four deliverables. The room, which was a 10% discount. Bottle of champagne. I, you know, I don't know what the cost is. Let's say it's you know 80 or hundred dollars for that bottle of champagne. Uh free booze for three days. If two people are staying in that room and they like to drink, that's uh that's a lot of money. Yeah. And then the six six hundred dollars of chips for less than four hundred dollars. And so it's an overwhelming bargain that you don't have to think about. And it attracts the most profitable customers. It's less attractive to the less profitable customers. Right. And so when we're working with a business that has a high ticket uh, service, we help them build a complex offer that, guess what, has a minimum of four and a maximum of five deliverables. Um, let, more than five feels overwhelming. And there's a saying that a confused brain won't buy. Yeah, right. And I used to say three to five because less than uh, three deliverables felt underwhelming. I, you know, I recently published a book called Make Sales Magical, 
where in the process of writing the book, I changed, I changed my belief and I changed it to four or five deliverables. And the part of the reason is you don't want to fall on the side of underwhelming. But the other thing is when you list out the, you know, the four or five deliverables, there's a good chance that one or two will not be interesting or attractive uh, to whoever you're talking to. Let's say with Bob Stupak's offer, let's say for whatever reason, you know, uh, champagne gives you the hiccups and so you don't drink champagne. So if his offer was, hey, we'll get, save you a little bit of money on your room cost and we'll give you a free bottle of champagne when you arrive. You know, yeah. I, I don't drink champagne. So that's uh, so by having a minimum of four, all of a sudden, if the champagne is not you know, not interesting to you, the other two things, you know, the, the other free booze and the free chips, well, all of a sudden those are very interesting, whether the champagne's there or not, you're still very interested. So it's okay. a way of, of hedging. Okay. So um, that makes perfect sense to me. Is there more to properly structuring that? first time offer so it's effective yeah and i you know i'll say this it's a lot easier to get these wrong than it is to get them right mm. and i say that from experience where i've stepped on the rake many times in, in my own journey and um so but let me give you kind of a high level um flyover it, it's right there's it has to be an impulse purchase that means the coins in the cushion the couch the money in the wallet or the B2B equivalent of that. Basically, if somebody has to ask permission to spend that money, it's too expensive. Yeah. If somebody will ever be held accountable for how that money is spent, it's too expensive. If somebody has to do any type of mental calculation to figure out if it's a good deal, it's not only too expensive, but also doesn't deliver enough value. And so the second thing is, you know, it has to be impulse purchase. The second is it has to deliver disproportionate value to price. And we're usually aiming for about 10 times the value. And if you think back to Bob Stupak's offer, you know, it's, I got my first reaction from you when I mentioned the free booze for three days. Yeah. And, you know, and then on top of that, $600 of right. chips, you know, you don't have to do a mental calculation to figure uh -huh. out if you're getting a good deal. You know you're getting a good deal. It's overwhelming. Yeah. So the third thing is it has to solve a problem. And I will tell you, this is one of the things that I would say this is the number one thing I see people get wrong the most. Okay. And I had that happen earlier today. I was telling somebody uh, about this this morning, and, and they were thinking about using it for their business. And one of the things I told them, I, I said, you know, a lot of people in your space like to use an audit as, you know, kind of the entry, you know, hey, we'll do a free audit or we'll do a paid audit for you. And, uh, and I said, those don't work because audits just reveal the problems that are there. Yeah. Actually solving a problem in somebody's life is important because what happens is when you come shoulder to shoulder with somebody and you solve a problem in their life, it causes the release of oxytocin in the body. And oxytocin is the bonding hormone that bonds baby to mother. And when you solve a problem in somebody's life, you're creating an incredible bond that honestly creates a unfair advantage for you. For you. 
And so when you just come in and say, let me tell you the problems you have, well, that's not, that's yeah. not solving a problem that some might say that's irritating. Yeah. Um, so that's the third thing. But the fourth thing is you want to leave the big problems unsolved. If you solve all their problems for this insanely good deal, you know, if Columbia House Records uh, if their offer ended with buy, you know, for 13, uh, or for one penny, we're going to send you 13 albums, have a nice day, but they're going to go out of business in a hurry. And so you want to leave the big problems unsolved and you want your offer structured. So it naturally leads to the next step, uh, towards your core offer. And maybe the next step is your core offer, or maybe the next step is kind of an intermediate offer, which we would call the dinner date. And um, and so that's kind of the general structure. There's a few other things to think about. I mentioned earlier that you want to have a, a minimum of four, maximum of five deliverables. At least one of those deliverables needs to be the product of a co-working session where you work together on it and you want to have the session structured so, such that um, they're coming up with the deliverables for it. You know, and the way I describe it is, you know, in kind of a bowling alley, your job is to put the bumper guards up and make them roll the ball down the lane. And when they do that, a couple things happen. One, it triggers two cognitive biases, the IKEA effect and the endowment effect, which makes them value the product of that more highly. The other thing it does is when it's their idea for them to not move forward would recover that they reject their own idea. Hmm. So that's an, another element. You want one of the deliverables to be what we call a scarecrow. A scarecrow is invisible to your ideal client. But to your non-ideal client, they see it and it scares them away. You know, and so if we go to Bob Stupak's offer, you know, a little bit of the scarecrow is that, you know, Booze, booze, and gambling. Well, um, if you're coming from a religious conviction that both booze and gambling are bad, yeah. you're not taking that offer. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and Bob Stupak didn't want you taking that offer right. because he wasn't going to make any money off you. You know, even if he made money on the room, he would make more money if somebody who liked booze and gambling was staying in that room. So... One of the elements is a scarecrow that scares off your non-ideal uh, clients. Mm. Now, here's one, and this is going to be, this is going to sound very complicated, but I promise mm -hmm. I will immediately simplify it. Okay. The final deliverable needs to be the solution to a problem that is uniquely created by the successful delivery of the preceding deliverables. Okay. That's really complicated. It's yeah. accurate but confusing. Yes. Let me give an example. Okay. That I think will make sense. Okay. If you buy a boat, you have a new problem. You actually have a lot of new problems, well, but yeah. let's talk about the fun one. Okay. The fun new problem is you need a place to dock your boat. Yeah. So if I were a boat broker and somebody came onto my uh, boat yard I would go up to them, I'd say, you know what, we're going to find the perfect boat for you. But once you buy the boat, you're going to have a new problem. You're going to need a place to dock it. Guess what? I have relationships with all the marinas in the area, all the yacht clubs in the area. I know their prices. 
we're going to find the right place for you. And as a matter of fact, if, if you'd like, once you buy your boat, we'll deliver it to your slip. So all your, you and your family have to do is grab your picnic basket and grab your cooler, step onto your boat and sail out and have a, an amazing day. So you see how I just solved a problem hmm. that was created by the successful delivery of them purchasing a boat. Yes. But what I did in the process, and if you heard me describe it, you probably pictured yourself walking down to a dock Perfect. and getting on a boat. Yep. When you can make your customer picture the successful outcome of buying your service or product, that's essential to moving them forward. You've moved their frame of mind from contemplating to already visualizing the results. I see. Now, if 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 your offer is such that, or or your offerings, let's say, um, are such that there isn't a next problem, is this whole process not something you should engage in? Or does everyone have a problem that's created from the solution? There's always a next problem. If you buy a Bentley, you need somebody to wash your Bentley for you. It's true. Guess what high-end car dealers do, offer? Car Just bring it by the shop and we'll wash it. Huh. And this is this is fascinating. Okay. So uh how does someone figure out uh which is which? Like which is the coffee date, which is dinner? Hmm. A uh, great question. Yeah. So it, it's all based upon um, pricing, right? So the coffee yeah. date—that's that impulse purchase. You know, when you encounter them, they don't need budget. They don't need approval. It's money you know they have in in their wallet, or they can whip out the company card and spend it w without even checking to make sure that there's money available. And so that's kind of where the coffee date is. Not everybody needs a dinner date. It really depends upon the cost of your core offer or the level of commitment of your core offer. You know, so if they're moving into a three-year contract, well, you probably want to have a dinner date, you know. Uh, if they're, um, if, you know, for instance, we had a, we had somebody that we worked with that, their core offer was $1.2 million. Okay. And, you know, and they, they come to us and they're like, yeah, sales are not good. I'm like, okay, why is that? I said, tell me a little bit about your sales process. Well, we go up and we tell them that they, you know, to become a customer of ours, they have to commit to a three-year commitment and for a total contract value of $1.2 million. Wow. I'm like, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that's hard to sell. <laughs> <laughs> and um and so we carved out a you know first time offer for less than $500 which is where we usually put B2B offers 
B2C should be a little bit less. And the, um, but you can't go from $500 to 1.2 million. And so uh, for them, it's appropriate to have kind of an intermediate step that, you know, somewhere between 10 and $50,000. And, um, you know, and for them, their, their type of business was, you know, it was $1.2 million over three years. And so it, you know, it works out that if they spend, you know, 10 to, you know, $50,000, it looks almost like what they would be spending in one month anyway. And, uh, and so it, all of a sudden that starts feeling more comfortable. You know, have you ever thought about, and here's one way of thinking about it. Have you ever, have you ever had a time where you subscribe to a service and once, you know, after you'd been with that service for a period of time, that just felt natural to spend that amount of money on that service. And sure. you never looked at that for cost cutting. Yes. Well, that's kind of what the job of the dinner date is to do. You know, if, if you're trying to get them up to that 1.2 million or whatever, or three-year commitment, both are equally staggering. People fear getting locked in for a long commitment as much as they fear the, the amount of money. Just take them, you know, another step and get them comfortable with spending that other amount of money and make sure they get very good results for that. I see. Okay. So someone's listening and they don't like sales at all. Uh What's your recommendation? Oh, definitely do this. I, I'm horrible at sales. I'm, I'm, I'm a marketer. I'm not a sales guy. And I came up with this whole process because I needed to put food on the table. <laughs> so it's um, the beauty is with these offers. I mean, so imagine you're a travel agent and you're trying to sell somebody Bob's two packs offer. Hey, yeah, got this offer in Vegas, you know, uh, three days, two nights, 396, free booze, free money, free champagne when you arrive. You don't have to be much of a salesperson to sell that. That's a good point. And as a matter of fact, the harder you try to sell, the harder it is to sell. Uh, and that's sort of a general thing. I mean, as soon as somebody realizes they're being sold, their guard goes up. Yeah, right. Because we hate being sold. Yeah. And so the whole, you know, what happens if if you're not naturally gifted at sales, it, it starts showing and you get awkward. And, you know, it's kind of like getting nervous around a, uh, a dangerous dog. The more nervous you get, the more dangerous the dog gets. Right. That's a good analogy. Yeah, because the dog picks up on your nervousness. Yeah. Well, guess what? Customers pick up. Yeah. When, customers pick up on it as well and you end up scaring them away yeah. and if you're like me if anybody listening is like me you've seen some customers hightail it away from you because you got nervous and you were trying to close them you were doing what somebody told you to do and it felt icky and you didn't enjoy it and they didn't enjoy it and they ran away yeah exactly yeah wow um are there I don't want to ask this question. Uh, do you have to keep creating more irresistible offers or once you've gotten them to the point where they're, they've purchased the big ticket item, is that 
the end of that line, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There's an assumption here. And that is that your core offer is valuable to people and provides an incredible service. Yeah. And has the natural ability to bring them back, you know, if, if you're looking for recurring revenue. And um, if you're selling something that people don't need or don't want, you have a bigger problem than your introductory offer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, most people actually have something that people need and, and want. It's just, it's just kind of the awkwardness of, you know, not wanting to, um, not wanting to move forward, you know, being afraid of getting it wrong. Um, you know, so I'm a marketer. And one of the things I know is if somebody gets on the phone with me, I know two things. One, they have a revenue problem because nobody gets on a sales call with a marketer unless they have a revenue problem. Yeah. The other thing I know is anybody that gets on the phone with me has a bad marketing story in their history. You know, I, I, I get no leads of anybody who's come in without having a bad marketing experience. So they're bringing that to the table. And that's something that I recognize when they, they show up, they're afraid. They're afraid I'm going to be like somebody who did them wrong previously. Right. And I get that. And so I give them a first time offer that del delivers insane value. And it's, that coffee date that lets them figure out if I'm that creepy ex-boyfriend that they want to avoid, or if maybe I'm actually somebody that they want in their life. Right. And guess what? It's the same thing for me in reverse because anybody that's done marketing has had a bad client. Yeah. And a bad client will you know, just suck you dry. They'll suck your energy. Um, they'll hurt your business. Uh, they, they are just some of the biggest time, not just time sinks, but emotional sinks, yeah. emotional and energy. And so if, if anybody listening is in a service business, you know what bad clients look like, and you know what they do to your business, put this little step in place to kind of screen out the bad guys. Yeah. That's one of the things I think I like most about it is that it helps uh, people self-select out, so your odds of getting that awful client go way down. Yeah, yeah, and and that's really key. Yeah, you know, it's really key, and it's um, and it really is like magic. It really is like magic. You know, I, and that's why I was fumbling around with how to title the book. You know, my book that talks about this. And I forgot what the original title was, but it was it was horrible. And one day I just thought I was like, you know, it's really about making sales magical. And, you know, if you think about any form of magic, if you actually know what the trick was, it's kind of boring. Yeah. It's it's it, it's not that spectacular. But when you see it work, it, it is magical. And, and I'll give you an example. Uh, David Copperfield, you know, the famous magician. Sure. Uh, you know, he had an illusion where he would have people disappear from one part of the uh, theater and then reappear in a different part of the theater. You know what the trick was? No. You know, he let up a puff of smoke or something uh, to make the so the people could just immediately disappear. Before the show, 
He met with them. He had them sign a non-disclosure agreement and agree to be a part of the solution. And so when the you know the smoke would blow or whatever, and they would you know they would disappear into this little hatch, they would go down below uh, below the theater and run through a tunnel to the other side <laughs> and come out on the other end. That was the trick, and it, it came out in a lawsuit because one of his participants uh, kind of tripped in the tunnel and sprained his ankle, and Aye. he came back and sued him. Uh, for damages and so that that trip that trick was exposed but that was when you look behind the scenes i'm like oh so the trick is you have these people go through a hatch and run to the other side of the theater through an underground tunnel and then pop up well that just seems kind of like okay i get it that's pretty straightforward yeah but when david copperfield does it it's magical yeah <laughs> and i would say the same thing for the first time offers the yeah, you know, the process of putting together the offer, um, yeah, you know, it's a lot of sausage making. It's you know, um, I you know, I try to make it a great experience, and people that go through it usually enjoy it. Um, but the but when you see it come to work, and you see people just saying, "Hey, this is this has been good. What do we do next?" You know, and people start closing themselves, yeah, and and naturally self-selecting up to your higher ticker ticket offer. That's that's where the magic is, and, and, yeah. and it feels wonderful, and you feel good about yourself because the way you got there was you delivered a ton of value. You right. you didn't do any hocus pocus. You just came in these li- these folks' lives, and you helped them solve some problems for a pro- price much less than they really should have paid. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Craig, this is awesome. I, I really appreciate it. I think this is fascinating information. Thank you so much for sharing it. Uh, will you tell the listeners how they can find you, please? Absolutely. So you can come to my website, which is alliesforme.com. That's A-L-L-I-E-S, the number four, M-E.com. And um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, recently, if you Google me, I'm usually the number one search result. Uh, my LinkedIn page is. And, um, but I have a gift. I actually have two gifts for your audience. Cool. And right. one is a guide on how to make these first-time offers. And the other gift is 23 days access to our course. Now, the reason I do 23 days, not trying to be stingy here, we study human behavior. And one of the things mm-hmm. I know is if I give you unlimited free access to this course, you'll sign up and you'll never take it. Yeah. And my goal is to see your life changed. So we give 23 days access and we see it in the analytics. People come in, they bip, 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 go through the content. And that's really our goal. And so the way they get that is they come to our website, alliesforme.com. And then at the end, add slash accelerate your business. Um, uh, accelerate your business growth. Hang on. Let me double check that. I won't, I've got two different things written down. I want to make sure I got it right. I think it's uh, accelerate your business. Yes. Accelerate your business. All one word, all lowercase. So it's alliesforme.com slash accelerate your business. And that will take you to a page. Sign up at that page and you will get those gifts. Awesome. 
Well, I like I said, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.